Psalm 37, Discourse the Second, Part 1, of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo, Psalm 37, Discourse the Second, Part 1 on the second part of the psalm we have both received a command to speak of the psalm to you dearly beloved and it was our bounden duty to obey it also for it hath pleased god to delay our departure on account of the violence of the rains and we have received a command that our tongue should not be unemployed here in your service seeing that the thought of your welfare ever employs our hearts even as ours does yours we had, however, already suggested to you what God means in that psalm, what he would teach us, of what he would remind us, what he would forewarn us against, and what he would have us to bear with patience, and what to hope. For there are two classes of men, the just and the unjust, mingled together in this life and in this world. Each hath a disposition of heart peculiar to itself, that of the just is struggling upward by humbling itself that of the unjust is sinking downward by exalting itself for the one lowers itself that it may rise the other exalts itself that it may fall hence it happens that one class has to endure the other to be endured that the object of the just is to save the unjust themselves to eternal life the object of the unjust is to return evil for good, and if it be possible, to deprive even of temporal life those who wish them life everlasting. For the unjust endureth with pain the just, and the just the unjust. They are a burden the one to the other. No one doubts that those two sorts of characters are a burden to one another, but that on different views for it is for this reason that the just man is a burden to the unjust that both in his desires he wishes and in his actions he endeavours that he should not be unjust but should become just but the unjust man's hatred for the just is of this kind that he would not have him exist at all not that he would have him be righteous for the more righteous he is, so much the more is he a burden to the unrighteousness of the other. And he takes pains, moreover, to make him, if it were possible, unrighteous, but if he cannot, to get him taken out of the way, and remove him from the place where he is an eyesore and a grievance to himself. But even if he should make him unrighteous, he will not be any the less a burden to him, for not only is the just man a burden to the unjust, but even to unjust persons can with difficulty endure each other. And when they seem to have a regard for each other, it is not friendship they interchange with one another, but accompliceship. But it is when they are conspiring for the destruction of the just that they are in accord together, not because they love each other, but because they have a common hatred for the man who ought to be the object of love it is towards this class of persons that the lord our god enjoins upon us patience 
and that affection of charity of which we have received the knowledge in the gospel where the lord enjoins us saying love your enemies and do good to them which hate you even as the apostle also says be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good contend with evil but be it in the cause of goodness for that is the proper sort of contention or rather that is a salutary contest that there should be a good man against a wicked man not two wicked men opposed to each other turn back then to the psalm the first part of it hath been already handled then follow these words verse twelve the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth verse thirteen but the lord shall laugh at him at whom surely at the sinner gnashing upon the other with his teeth but wherefore shall the lord laugh at him for he foreseeth that his day is coming he seems indeed full of wrath while ignorant of the morrow that is in store for him he is threatening the just but the lord beholds and foresees his day what day that in which he will render to every man according to his works for he is treasuring up unto himself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the just judgment of god but it is the lord that foresees it thou dost not foresee it it hath been revealed to thee by him who foresees it thou didst not know of the day of the unrighteous in which he is to suffer punishment but he who knows it hath revealed it to thee it is a main part of knowledge to join thyself to him who hath knowledge he hath the eyes of knowledge have thou the eyes of a believing mind that which god sees be thou willing to believe for the day of the unjust which god foresees will come what day is that the day for all vengeance for it is necessary that vengeance should be taken upon the ungodly that vengeance be taken upon the unjust whether he turn or whether he turn not for if he shall turn from his ways that very thing that his injustice has come to an end is the infliction of vengeance did not the lord laugh to foresee the days of two unjust persons both that of judas the traitor and that of saul the persecutor he foresaw the one's day for punishment the other's for conversion to righteousness vengeance was inflicted upon both the first was consigned to hell-fire this last was struck to the earth by a voice from heaven therefore for the unjust man whom thou hast to endure do thou with god foresee his day by the eyes of thy faith and when thou seest him raging furiously against thee say to thyself this man will either be reclaimed and be with me or still persisting in his course will not be with me what does the unrighteous man's injustice hurt thee and not hurt him how can it be that the iniquity 
which goes forth by his wrath and his indignation to harm thee should not lay waste his very self within him before it comes forth to attack thee thy body is oppressed by adversity his soul is corrupted by iniquity for whatsoever he puts forth against thee returns back upon his head for his persecution clears thee while it makes him guilty to which then doth it the greater injury see in his rage he has stripped thee of thy property who is visited with the severer loss he who loses money or he who loses faith that loss those who have the inward eye well know how to deplore for there are many for whom gold has charms faith has not forsooth because they have eyes wherewith to see gold no eyes wherewith to see faith for had they those eyes and could they behold it surely they would love faith more than gold and yet when men break faith with them they cry out they call for indignation at it and say o faith where is faith thou lovest it so far as to require it of others love it so as to show it forth thyself therefore because all who persecute the righteous are afflicted with a severer loss and stricken with a more fatal ruin when their soul within them is laid waste the psalm goes on and shows this as follows verse fourteen the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright heart verse fifteen their weapon shall enter into their own heart it is an easy thing for his weapon that is his sword to reach thy body even as the sword of the persecutors reached the body of the martyrs but when the body had been smitten the heart remained unhurt but his heart who drew out the sword against the body of the just did not clearly remain unhurt this is attested by this very psalm it saith their weapon that is their sword shall not go into their body but their weapon shall go into their own heart they would fain have slain him in the body let them die the death of the soul for those whose bodies they sought to kill the lord hath freed from anxiety saying fear not them who kill the body but cannot kill the soul now what a thing is it to rage with the sword and not to be able to kill more than the body only of thine enemy and to be able to kill thine own soul they are out of their senses it is against themselves that they are raving they are mad they do not see themselves just as if one were to thrust his sword through his own flesh that he might rend another person's coat thou wert thinking of that which thou hast reached and not thinking of what thou hast had to pass through to it thou hast made a rent in his coat and in thine own flesh it is clear therefore that the hurt and injury which the unjust do themselves is greater than the injury which they seem to themselves to do to those whom they hate therefore their weapon shall go into their own heart it is the lord's sentence 
and it is unalterable. And their bows shall be broken. What is meant by, and their bows shall be broken? Their plots shall be frustrated. For above he had said, the wicked have drawn out the sword and bent their bows. By the drawing out of the sword he would have understood open hostility, but by the bending of the bow, secret conspiracies. See, his sword destroys himself, and his laying of snares is frustrated. What is meant by frustrated? That it does no mischief to the righteous. How then, for instance, you ask, did it do no mischief to the man whom it thus stripped of his goods, whom it reduced to straitened circumstances by taking away his possessions? He has still cause to sing. Verse 16. A little that a righteous man hath is better than great riches of the ungodly. But the wicked are powerful. They engage in many undertakings. They have at their command the means to effect their purposes, and activity in executing them. Their command is followed by obedience. But shall it be always so? Verse 17 for the arms of the wicked shall be broken. Now by their arms is meant their power. What will he do in hell? Will it be what the rich man had to do, he who was wont to fare sumptuously in the upper world, and in hell was tormented? Therefore their arms shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. How does he uphold them? What saith he unto them? even what is said in another psalm. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and let thine heart be strengthened. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What is meant by this, wait on the Lord? Thou sufferest but for a time, thou shalt rest for ever. Thy trouble is short, thy happiness is to be everlasting. It is but for a little while thou art to sorrow thy joy shall have no end. But in the midst of trouble does thy foot begin to slip? The example even of Christ's sufferings is set before thee. Consider what he endured for thee, in whom no cause was found why he should endure it. How great soever be thy sufferings, thou wilt not come to those insults, those scourgings, to that robe of shame, to that crown of thorns, and, last of all, to that cross which he endured, because that is now removed from the number of human punishments. For though under the ancients criminals were crucified, in the present day no one is crucified. It was honored, and it came to an end. It came to an end as a punishment. It is continued in glory." it hath removed from the place of execution to the foreheads of emperors. He who hath invested his very sufferings with such honor, what doth he reserve for his faithful servants? By these facts, then, by these words, by these appeals, the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Whatsoever befalls the righteous, let him impute it to the will of God, not to the power of the enemy. He may be inflamed with rage. Strike thee he cannot, 
unless it be his will and if it be his will that the other should smite thee he knows well how to take up his servant for whom the lord loveth he chasteneth but he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth wherefore then should the unrighteous man think it a great thing that god hath employed him as a scourge him he is employing for a service me he is correcting to prepare me for an inheritance nor ought we to consider how much he permits the unjust to do but how much he hath in store for the just but we are bound to wish even for those by whom we are scourged that they may be converted and made themselves be scourged for it was so that he chastened his faithful servants who had once made saul to be his scourge and afterwards converted saul himself and when the lord said to holy ananias by whom saul was baptized that that saul was to be taken charge of by him because he was a chosen vessel ananias fearing and shuddering at hearing the mention of saul the persecutor answered saying lord i have heard by many of this man how great persecution he hath raised against thy saints in jerusalem and now he comes having received commission that wheresoever he shall find any that call upon thy name he should arrest them and bind them and bring them to jerusalem and the lord said in answer be it so i will show him what things he must suffer for my name's sake i will recompense it to him he saith i will revenge myself upon him and he shall suffer for my name who now rages against my name i am correcting or have already corrected others by his agency i will correct him too by the agency of others so did it come to pass and we know how great things he endured being far more than the evils which he had done like a covetous exactor of his due he received what he had given back again with usury but observe whether that was fulfilled in his case which the psalm now speaks of the lord strengtheneth the righteous not only so saith that same paul whilst suffering many evils but we glory in tribulations also knowing the tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope but hope maketh not ashamed because the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost which is given unto us justly is it said by him now righteous now strengthened as therefore those who persecuted him did no harm to him when now strengthened so neither did he himself do any harm to those whom he persecuted but the lord he saith strengtheneth the righteous hear now other expressions of the now strengthened and established righteous man who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or famine or nakedness or persecution how fast attached must he have been who was not separated by such things as these but it is the lord strengtheneth the righteous
there had come down certain prophets from jerusalem and being filled with the holy ghost had prophesied to the same paul that he was to suffer many things in jerusalem so that one of them agabus by name having loosened his girdle bound himself with it as is wont to be done in order to show as a prophet by this sign the things that were to be saying even as ye see me bound so must this man be bound in jerusalem whereon the brethren began to deter saul now become paul as warned by the prophecy not to expose himself to dangers so great and by advice and by entreaty to dissuade him from going to jerusalem but he who was now of the number of those concerning whom it is said the lord strengtheneth the righteous says wherefore would ye break my heart i hold not my life dear unto me for he had already said to those whom he had begotten in the gospel i would myself be gladly spent for your soul's sake for i am ready he cries not only to be bound but also to die for the name of the lord jesus christ therefore the lord does strengthen the righteous in what ways does he strengthen them verse eighteen the lord knoweth the ways of the spotless ones when they suffer ills they are believed to be walking ill ways by those who are ignorant by those who have not knowledge to discern the ways of the spotless ones he who knoweth those ways knoweth by what way to lead his own them that are gentle in the right way whence in another psalm he said the meek shall he guide in judgment them that are gentle will he teach his way how think you was that beggar who lay covered with sores before the rich man's door spurned by the passers-by how did they probably close their nostrils and spit at him the lord however knew how to reserve paradise for him how did they on the other hand desire for themselves the life of him who was clad in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day but the lord who foresaw that man's day coming knew the torments the torments without end that were in store for him therefore the lord knoweth the ways of the upright verse eighteen and their inheritance shall be for ever this we hold by faith doth the lord too know it by faith the lord knoweth those things with as clear a manifestation as we cannot speak of even when we shall be made equal to the angels for the things that shall be manifest to us shall not be equally manifest to us as they are now to him who is incapable of change yet even of us ourselves what is said beloved now are we the sons of god and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is there is therefore surely some blissful vision reserved for us and if it can be now in some measure conceived darkly and through a glass 
yet cannot we in any way express in language the ravishing beauty of that bliss which god reserves for them that fear him which he consummates in those that hope in him it is for that destination that our hearts are being disciplined in all the troubles and trials of this life wonder not that it is in trouble that thou art disciplined for it it is for something glorious that thou art being disciplined whence comes that speech of the now strengthened righteous man the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us what is that promised glory to be but to be made equal to the angels and to see god how great a benefit doth he bestow on the blind man who makes his eyes sound so as to be able to see the light of this life when restored to soundness he finds nothing worthy enough to reward his restorer for let him give him as much as he pleases what will he give him equal to what the other has bestowed on him let him give very largely he will give him gold perhaps even a great deal of gold the other has given him light that he may know that what he gives is nothing let him look in the dark at what he gives what reward then shall we give unto that physician who restores soundness to our inward eyes to enable them to see a certain eternal light which is himself what shall we give unto him let us inquire let us ascertain if we can and in the anxiety of our search let us exclaim what shall i render unto the lord for all his benefits unto me and what doth he find i will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the lord are ye able he saith to drink of the cup that i shall drink of thence he saith to peter lovest thou me feed my sheep for whose welfare he was to drink the cup of the lord but the lord upholdeth the righteous the lord knoweth the ways of the upright and their inheritance shall be for ever verse nineteen they shall not be ashamed in the evil time what is meant by shall not be ashamed in the evil time in the day of trouble in the day of distress they shall not be ashamed as he is ashamed whose hope deceives him who is the man that is ashamed he who saith i have not found that which i was in hopes of nor undeservedly either for thou didst hope it from thyself or from man thy friend but cursed is he that putteth his trust in man thou art ashamed because thy hope hath deceived thee thy hope that was set on a lie for every man is a liar but if thou dost place thy hopes on thy god thou art not made ashamed for he in whom thou hast put thy trust cannot be deceived whence also the man whom we mentioned just above the now strengthened righteous man when fallen on an evil time on the day of tribulation what saith he to show that he was not ashamed we glory in tribulation 
knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope but hope maketh not ashamed whence is it that hope maketh not ashamed because it is placed on god therefore follows immediately because the love of god is bred in our hearts by the holy spirit which is given unto us the holy spirit hath been given to us already how should he deceive us of whom we possess such an earnest already they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied for here too there is a certain satisfaction for their needs provided for the days of famine are the days of this life while others are perishing with hunger they are filled for whence could that man glory saying we glory in tribulations if he were suffering from the cravings of hunger within without there appeared to be straits but there was enlargement within but what is the wicked man to do when he begins to suffer tribulation without he hath nothing all hath been taken from him in his conscience he finds no comfort he hath not whither to go forth out of himself that is full of trouble he hath not whither to retire within himself for that is full of wickedness justly therefore doth that come to pass in his case which follows for the wicked shall perish for how can it be that they should not perish for whom there is no place found anywhere there is not consolation for him in that which is without there is not in that which is within for those things are without with respect to us from which there is no consolation and all those who have not god who are devoted to the service of wealth of glory of friendship of worldly power and all bodily goods whatsoever cannot be comforted from within in the way that he was comforted who filled with spiritual good things out of that very fullness broke forth saying the lord gave the lord hath taken away the lord hath done as it seemed him good blessed be the name of the lord therefore for these transgressors there is no place in what is without for there they are suffering tribulations conscience doth not comfort them they do not stand well with themselves for it cannot go well with the bad man whoever is a bad man stands badly with himself he cannot but be tormented with self-inflicted torments for he is his own punishment whom his own conscience tortures he may fly from an enemy whithersoever he can whither shall he flee from himself thus a certain person had come over to us from the party of donatus having been accused and excommunicated by those of his own sect seeking to find here what he had lost there but because he could not be received except in that place in which it was right he should be received for he had not quitted that side in full possession of all his rights among them so that it might be clear that it was from choice not from necessity that he had so acted 
because i say he could not have what he was seeking for and he was seeking for empty elevation and vain glory because he did not find here what he had lost there he is himself lost also he was groaning under his wounds and would not be comforted for some secret and horrible stings were in his conscience we endeavoured to comfort him out of the word of god but he was not of the number of the prudent ants who in summer lay up a store on which to live in winter for it is then when the times are peaceful that man ought to collect for himself the word of god and ought to store it up in the inmost recesses of his heart just as the ant shuts up in the storehouses of her holes the labours of this summer for in summer time there is leisure for doing this but let winter come let tribulation that is come upon him and unless he finds somewhat to feed on within he needs must perish with hunger now this man had not laid up a store of the word of god against his necessity the winter came upon him he could not find here that which he was seeking and could not be comforted except by obtaining it from the word of god he could derive no kind of consolation within in his own breast he possessed nothing without he could not find that which he sought he was consumed by the fires of grief and indignation his mind was violently agitated and that too for a long time in secret until at last it burst out into certain groans audible to the brethren yet so that he did not know them to be audible he saw and god knows we grieved to see a soul suffering so great a punishment such rackings so great a hell so great torments what need of more words unwilling to submit to a low place that man to whom such a place if he had been wise might have been salutary showed himself in such colours that he came even to be cast out nor should we hence my brethren be led to despair of others who happily have freely chosen the truth not been led by necessity for so far ought we to be from despairing of the rest that even of that man i would not despair so long as he liveth for we need not despair of any man so long as he lives now this ought to be known to you dearly beloved brethren concerning this very case lest haply any one should tell you anything different for a sub-deacon of theirs who when no inquiry was set on foot against him there freely chose reconciliation to the church and catholic unity and came quitting them of his own accord came as in sincerity preferring what is good and not as rejected by the bad he i say has been received with such success that we rejoice in his conversion and commend him to your prayers for god is able to make him better and better yet we must not however pronounce concerning any one either for good or for evil for so long as we live here the issue of to-morrow is always unknown they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied 
End of Psalm 37 Discourse the Second Part 1